Still learn to work on <laughs> Amen. Aren't you glad you have a Redeemer that's alive today? Amen, amen. We don't have to worry about serving the false gods, the ones that they are being like Baal and calling out to, hello, Lord, you know, call out or maybe he'll heal you then. No, we have a God that's a living God. We have a God that when we pray, we know that he hears our prayers. Amen, amen. We turn in your word tonight. We're going to turn to the book of Psalms 71 and 5. Glad to see everyone in the house of the Lord tonight. Sometimes when pastor's in there, you worry, how many, how many people are going to show up tonight playing hooky? Pastor's not there. <laughs> but thank you for the faithful ones that are here. Amen. I won't say shame the ones that aren't here, but you know who that is, so it's okay. <laughs> amen. Amen. Have a good time. Psalm 71, verse 5. We're also going to turn to Titus 2 and 13. So Psalm 71, verse 5 says, For thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. Let's read it one more time. For thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. Turning over to Titus 2.13 as well. It says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Tonight I want to preach a message. It's not a very deep message, but I feel it is. I was impressed to preach it for tonight. I don't know who it may be for, but I want to remind someone here tonight that there is hope. That there is hope. Hope. Can we put our Bibles down? Let's pray for the Lord before we go into this message. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would preside over the next few minutes of this message. Lord, I pray that you would use this vessel of clay to preach your word, to give it to the hearers here today, and that our hearts and our minds would be open to receive what your word has for us, to remind us that we have a hope in you, that we have a hope in Jesus Christ. And I pray that we would receive this word here today. Let's focus and take every thought into captivity, Lord, and we give you all praise, glory, and honor in the mighty name of Jesus we pray here tonight and let the church say amen. amen amen you may be seated there is hope tonight amen I want to start with a little story I thought you might enjoy came across this as I was researching for this uh, for this sermon it says a, a man approached a little league baseball game and one afternoon and he asked the, one of the boys that was in there young young lad and he said how what's the uh, young 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 man what's the score and the boy says, well, it's 18 to nothing. We're behind. The man said, wow, man, I bet you're pretty discouraged, aren't you? The boy looked at him quizzically and said, well, why should I be discouraged? We haven't even got up to bat yet. <laughs> Talk about being behind the eight ball. <laughs> but the young man had something that's integral to each and every one of our lives. This young man uh, displayed that he had hope that he had hope. Webster defines hope as to desire with expectation of attainment, to expect with confidence, to expect with confidence. Hope is essential for our survival. It's not just something nice to have. It is essential for our survival. Without hope, prisoners of war, when they're taken, when if they don't have hope, they wind up losing strength and may not make it back to see the light of day. Without hope, students can get discouraged and drop out of school. I'm sure you know many of those that, that dropped out. They're not the most hopeful people in all the world. Something stole their hope. Someone stole their life. They got discouraged and dropped out. Without hope, athletic teams slumber and keep losing. Some even teams that like the Cubs, they keep having hope and they still keep losing. I don't know why that seems to happen, but, you know, keep hoping. Without hope, addicts will return to their habits. And without hope, even strong Christians and preachers included can even struggle 
to press on. Because you see, hope is that hopelessness is not just something that's in the world. It can come in the church as well. It, unfortunately, it, should, it shouldn't happen. But I want to make it clear tonight that we do have a hope in Jesus Christ. We do have a hope. And sometimes situations in our life can cloud our minds. Situations and discouragement that we go through clouds our judgment. We, just, we get wrapped up in our minds and our emotions. But there is hope. And I also want to make it clear, hope is not just a nice thing to have, as I said. It's not something just, I have, I'm really going through this, this uh, trial here. I'm going to, it could use a little hope right now just to get over, the, get over the hurdle. No, it's a lifelong thing. We have a continuing hope in Jesus Christ, no matter what the circumstance might be. It's something as important as water is to fish, as an electricity is to a light bulb. We need and we have to have that hope, unless we're doomed to a dark and dismal experience. True hope, though, we know in the church comes from God, but it's only found in God. And unfortunately, the world thinks that there's a lot of other hope as well. But we know as we read in the word just from our, our opening scripture and also Psalm 62, 5 through 8, it says, let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. He is our hope. He is in the cleft of the rock that we can hide when the enemies fire their arrow or their arrows towards us. We can hide us in that rock. We can wait on him for our hope is in him. As I said, I mentioned a lot of in the world, they're not looking for God's hope. They're looking for hope in other things. You ask how I may know this. I did a little experiment just to see what I typed hope into Google. See what happens. I came up with 5,810,000,000 results that were returned to me. And no, I did not look at every single one of them. I'm going to tell you that right now. I did look at some of them, though. What saddened me was that many of these that had nothing to do with real hope. They had all kinds of ulterior things. You know, try meditating. Try thinking about good times in your life. Try, try talking to a therapist. Try, and all these things in of themselves may be okay for a physical thing. But when we're looking for a hope that says, I don't know who I'm going to turn to. I don't know what's going to happen to me. As Christians, we have a hope that says, God, I put my life in your hands. I don't know what tomorrow brings. I don't know what the world's going to do to me. I don't know what this situation is going to do to me. But I put my life in your hands. Our hope is in God alone. It's not in things of this world. If we keep that in our mind, we'll be much, much more better. That was horrible English. Be much better. When we are, as I mentioned, we're looking at those, that five billion results that I was looking at. I found something that kind of nicely puts in what hope can do for us. It says, when we are trapped in a tunnel of misery, hope points to the light at the end. It says, this isn't it. When we're overworked and exhausted, anybody else in here? Overworked and exhausted. Hope gives us fresh energy. It's a renewing thing in our spirit. When we are discouraged, hope lifts our spirits. When we're tempted to quit, hope keeps us going. When we lose our way and confusion blurs the destination, well, hope 
dulls the edge of that panic. It can take the edge of saying, I don't know what's going on, but God, I put my trust in you. When we or a family member struggle with a crippling disease or a lingering illness, sometimes we don't understand why these things happen. There's books saying, why do bad things happen to good people, right? It rains on the just and the unjust. When we, when we think about those things, hope helps us preserve beyond the pain saying even if I'm in pain or this, this, this family member that I know is going through pain, we can have hope and hold on to hope that God will bring them through. Or if he doesn't, it's what's in his will. When we fear the worst, hope brings reminders that God is still in control. When we endure the consequences of bad decisions, anyone else been there as well? All right, God can forgive us, but there are things called consequences that we have to deal with. And some people think that dealing with the consequence means that I, you know, God's punishing me. No, you sinned, and sometimes there's consequences that come with sin. So some, you know, the world doesn't think that. The world sees, oh, you're going through something. I'm like, yeah, I made a mistake, and now I'm going through it. But even though there's bad decisions, and God can lead us through those consequences as well. Hope fuels our recovery. When we find ourselves unemployed, Hope tells us we still have a future. Just because we don't have a job, just because we don't know where the money's coming from right now, my hope is in you, God. My hope is in what you will provide for me. My hope is let me walk in your will and let me feed you just like they fed Elijah with the ravens, a little bit day by day, walk step by step, and God lead us through that way. Hope gives that patience to trust. When we feel rejected and abandoned, hope reminds us we're not alone. And so we desperately need the substance of hope in our lives. And we've heard those words. And some of you are probably thinking it here as well. There's always hope. And like another message about hope. Yay. But sometimes we find it hard to believe, right? We've heard it so many times. Jesus is our hope. God's our hope. But then why don't we keep that in our mind? Why do we still doubt? It's because we're still human. We still have emotions. We still have flesh that says, I must be doing something wrong. God, I don't understand this. I don't know what's going on. And our flesh wants to try to figure it out and wrestle with God and say, well, I I know what's going on, but sometimes you don't know what's going on. But if we have hope, if we hold on to the promises God had, it'll bring us through it. All of us suffer bouts of discouragement. That's not something that's, if you're feeling discouragement tonight, not, not necessarily anything you did wrong. Sometimes we feel like, like, you know, why am I feeling this discouraged? Why am I feeling so down? What did I do? And sometimes it's just our human emotions. There's enemies of hope that we feel. The enemies of hope are fatigue, frustration, failure, and fear. All four of those. The mind dwells on them and pins us down. And it seems like when we're going through those times, it can be, can be in the light, with, like with no, be in the tunnel with no light. There is no hope. There is no light at the end of the tunnel. And that fatigue and frustration and failure and fear weigh on us as well. The good thing is God mentioned all these things in his word. We can look to his word to conquer those particular things. God doesn't give it because he gave those in the world because he didn't say everything's going to be perfect. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. You come to God, everything's going to be butterflies, rainbows, whatever. You know, that's what it does. The Bible discusses discouragement. He calls it like fainting or just growing weary, just growing tired of the day in and the day out. It tells us it's a real part of life. Every one of us are going to experience that at some point in our life. But if we focus our minds and our hearts on the Lord, let him be our hope, then we can do just as the book of Isaiah says. Isaiah 40, 31, I'm sure most of you could quote this, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk 
and not faint. We will not, they will not have that growing weary as the Bible says with the discouragement. Psalm 62 and 5 just says, that all, Let all that I am wait quietly before the Lord, for my hope is in him. Flesh, be quiet. Mind, be quiet. Put your thoughts and trust on him for a minute and let him see where he takes you. When we get our eyes off our current situation, we get our eyes off of all the storm that's around us, and we look up for our redemption draws nigh. When we look up, that's when we find our hope. Not by looking at all the problems, looking at the storm, we'll be like Peter and start sinking in the water. No, we put our eyes on him, and he can walk us through it. He can lift us up. What's amazing to me, as I said, God mentioned all these things for fatigue, God says in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's saying, take your rest in me. Take your mind off the craziness that's going on and focus on me. Take your rest in me. For frustration, he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. With frustration, there can be frustration being a Christian and also working in ministry. If you haven't worked in ministry, trust me, there's frustration there. As pastor said, in ministry, you have to love everyone. Doesn't mean you necessarily have to like them. It's kind of the truth. But God said in his word that we're to, to continue living and working in the kingdom because all your work for the kingdom, it's not in vain. It's not in vain. I'm here to tell you so tonight, if you're working in a ministry for the Lord, God sees it. Sometimes we say, well, you know, all these are getting their accolades and they don't really see what I'm doing. God sees God knows what you're doing, and it's not being in vain. So the frustration that you may feel in your spirit, the frustration that may be stealing your hope, God sees and God knows, and you will have your reward. <laughs> you will have your reward. He says, be steadfast, be unmovable. That means whatever comes against you like a storm, be like the strong tree that can bend with the wind but doesn't snap, that has deep roots that hold. Be steadfast. For feelings of failure, how many know that God is a God of second chances? Amen. How many know God's a, a God of third chances and fourth chances? <laughs> Amen. God is a God of second chances. Just to see this, we can look to the example of Peter in the Bible. I don't know about you, I love the character Peter. Just because Peter means so well. He want, he's trying his best out there. But he fails miserably on multiple accounts. But he still didn't give up. We see Peter on the day of the crucifixion, God tells him, you're going to deny me. And Peter's like, that's never going to happen, Lord. I would never do that. Three cock crows later, and he's already said, I don't know this man. We see Judas also betraying him. At the same time, Judas thought it was all over. He, saw, he didn't see the God of second chances. He didn't see, I just, I just betrayed our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I, that's it for me. But Peter did the same thing. but said, no, I think there's more. And he came back to a reconciliation with Christ. When Peter, as I just mentioned, Peter was walking on the water. He was the first one to say, Lord, if it's thee, let me walk out to him. Peter walks out in the water. 
and focused on Jesus. And all of a sudden, the waves and the storm look pretty scary where he is. And he starts sinking in the water that he was verily where that he was walking on. And Jesus says, ye little faith. And he reaches in and pulls him up. He's meaning well. The best one that I found was that Peter was rebuked by Jesus when Peter had the audacity to try and say that Jesus wouldn't suffer and be killed. I heard that he, I, the way that I understood that before I was really researching, the way I always understood that was that he said this, he said Mark 8, 31 and 33, and he began, Jesus talking, he began to teach them that the son of man suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days later rise again. And I remember Peter saying like, well, you know, God, that's not going to happen. You know, Jesus, that's not, that's, you're, you're not going to die. But the scripture says, and he spake that openly and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Jesus, he began to rebuke Jesus. And when he had turned about and looked up on his disciples, he, meaning Jesus, rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Peter's like, I'm just trying to help, Lord. I just want, like, you're not, he had something that was going through him that was saying that, but he knew that that was the spirit of Satan because that's what Satan wanted. Satan didn't want Jesus to rise from the dead. He thought if I kill this guy, it's going to be over with. So Peter, in all these circumstances, just like you and I, we try to do work in the Lord. We try to work in the flesh. We try to do the, the things of God and the kingdom, but sometimes we mess up. And sometimes we don't always, we try to minister someone and maybe we don't say the right thing. Or maybe we say it, but we say it, as my, my mom always told me, with the wrong attitude, right? It's not what you said, it's how you said it. Well, thank you. Yeah, I get in trouble for that. I said thank you. What do you want from me? As Christians and as people that work in ministry as well, because we, these are all home folk that we have here, we're not going to be perfect all the time. And we have to be able to stand that just because we make a mistake, one, it doesn't mean that we can keep making the same mistake over and over again. That's what the Bible says. You know, should we keep sinning that grace may abound? God forbid. No, that's not what it's about. But if we, like Peter, mess up, there is still hope for reconciliation with God. There's still hope. Peter still found hope. In Acts 2.38, he's preaching the gospel message on the day of Pentecost. You're not telling me that he didn't find reconciliation during that time and God allowed him to preach that message. So if God's a God of second chances, if God's the God of failure, we fail, it's okay. <laughs> we can be like that and God can help us as well. The last thing he says is for fear. Fear not, one of the things he says, fear not nor be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled. If you look fear up, there are over 365 such remarks made by God about fear not, fear not. Don't be troubled, fear not. One for literally every day of the year. So every day you live, fear not. God said it that many times. If God said that many times, it must be important. Sometimes we still tend to ignore that. You know, God even said, you know, but, but God, he says, fear not. If we put our hope and trust, say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to let your hope cancel out my fear. Even though fear says, well, you know, you don't know where the next paycheck is coming from. Fear or frustration says you may not know that loved one that you've been praying for. They may not, they may not ever come back. We don't know. But hope says, I'm going to cancel out that fear. I'm putting that out of my mind and I'm putting it in your hands. And I'm going to get out of this situation by focusing on you and praying for you as well. There's hope for tomorrow. There's also, as you mentioned, those enemies of hope, but God is a God of hope. 
the last thing, the kind of the thing that kind of really spurred this message as I was doing my, my reading was uh, <laughs> reading in Lamentations. So if you ever want to have a happy-go-lucky, wonderful day, read Jeremiah and read Lamentations because it is just a bucket full of fun. All throughout, there's basically five poems that's in Lamentations, and it's, it's, the supposed author is Jeremiah. That's like a widely accepted one that, that Jeremiah wrote, Lamentations, the weeping prophet. Um, they don't call him weeping for nothing, obviously. Um, but it's really, at this, at this time, just some context here. Is basically, the, the thought was it's around in 589 B.C. Jerusalem is being surrounded by the armies of Babylon and endured a very long siege, which Isaiah and Jeremiah prophesied about that this was going to happen. I know that people are like, oh, it's happening. Like, their prophecies are coming true, but, you know, they still didn't want to believe. The city fell in 587 B.C. Babylon was, and Babylon crushed in with fire and fury. The temple was desecrated. It was destroyed. The city was burned. Many Israelites died, and the rest of them were led away by the enemy forces. A few scattered people were left here and there, and even those people that were left were starving. Jeremiah wrote this Lamentations in the midst of this horrible landscape. Because of the afflictions of his nation Israel, he was personally was experiencing a significant dark time in his life. He moves into despair and even admitting that he had lost hope in our Lord. He had, although he had said all these words, the people were not listening. Obviously, frustration was setting in. God's telling me these things. I'm telling you these things, and nothing is changing. Obviously, frustration there. Fear was there. Failure, meaning that I've, I've said these words, but the people aren't listening. All these, the enemies of hope have been there. He'd lost hope in the Lord. His strength had perished. He said he feels like he's carrying a heavy chain behind him. Feeling disconnected with his people and extremely lonely, he even claims that he's the laughingstock of those that know him. Oh, there's Jeremiah, the, the prophet that's always you know, bringing doom and gloom. <laughs> Laugh at him when he's saying, this is what the Lord's telling me. So the first 20 verses of Lamentations describe Jeremiah as a man who is deep in sorrow, emotional pain, and spiritual darkness. It's in this depth, though, this depth of depression, unable to hear God's voice or experience his love, that we see in verse 21 that something changes. And so if you feel that you may be Jeremiah here tonight, you are in that deep sorrow or that some emotional pain or, or spiritual darkness, whatever it may be, let these words be of comfort. Lamentations 3, 21 through 27, kind of break it down a little bit. But 21, something changes. All these things are happening. It's like, Lord, my bones are broken. I, I can't hear from you anymore. You know, there's wars and everything is being in ruin. I don't know what to do, Lord. Verse 21, it says, this I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. See, when he says, this I recall to his mind, this is the turning point in, Jeru in uh, Jeremiah's experience. He intentionally recalls the goodness of God. He intentionally recalls the time when he, the, the experiences he had with God and the things that God had done for him. He says, I recall in my mind, because I recall, I know God, if you did it before, you can do it again. I have hope because I recall in my mind. He intentionally recalls the truth and God begins to penetrate his heart. Jeremiah had to remind himself what was true. Sometimes when we get so wrapped up in our things, our mind starts taking things to the nth degree when it's really not the reality. 
Our emotions run away with it. We have to bring back to my mind, Lord, I know you are good. I know you are true. And I know you can bring me out of this. It is your will. If you don't bring it out of me, you bring me through it, God. I know these things to be true, even though my circumstances tell me different. He had to remind himself what was true. He wrote in the previous verse that his soul was be fret of peace and that his hope was from the Lord had perished. That was just his previous verses. It's remembering these foundational proof, these foundational truths that restored his hope. It shows another reason why we need to ingest and study as much of God's word as we humanly can. Because it's when those times that we can recall his scriptures, we can call his word and say, God, I remember in Psalms when you said to have hope. I remember when I remember you know when you were told when Peter was out there like the, like Brother Jay was saying and he was he was flailing around down in the in the water and he lifted him up. I remember you said that in your word. Those scriptures can quicken in our hearts and help bring hope in the midst of our storms. It's in those dark times that we can recall those scriptures. It's in Lamentations three verse number next one twenty two. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. It's of the Lord's mercies. He died for us so that we could have hope, so that we could have a time for tomorrow, a promised hope in Jesus Christ. His compassions, his love never runs out. The NLT says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. The love of the Lord never runs out. His love is loyal and steadfast for us. No matter what we do, no matter what we're going through, it's always there. It never runs dry. We can try to run away from it, but God's love is always still there. It's drawing our hearts to him. You might have a bank account that doesn't have a lot of money in it. It may run up. Guess what? God's love doesn't. You may drive a car around. The gas going to run out. If you don't fill some gas in it with these prices, that may be sooner rather than later. But God's love doesn't run out. If you ever want to go back for seconds of food only to realize that all the food had been gone or taken from you, it's pretty sad. God's love is always there, though. God's love is like none of those things. It's always there, always for us. We must remember that despite our circumstances, despite our emotions, God is still God, and God is still there. Unlike God, our emotions can change. We can have a good day and be feeling have a lot of hope. We can have a bad day and feel like we've lost all hope. But God never changed. He was the God when you had the good day. He can be the God when you have the bad day. And really, he's the better God when you're having the bad day because he's what you need to hold on to. Amen? Verse 23 says, just talking about the mercies, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Wonderful hymn by that one. Great is thy faithfulness. Even when people let me down, you're faithful, God. Even though when people shun me, you love me, God. Even when people in the world say there's no hope, you're the hope for me, God. Your mercies are new every morning. We need to remind ourselves if you're going through a storm, you're going through something, wake up in the morning remembering this. Your mercies, God, are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness to me. No matter how dark it may seem, every morning, great is thy faithfulness. Verse 24 says, the Lord is my portion. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. 
The, reasons Jeremiah, the reason Jeremiah's hope was in God and ours is too is because he is our portion. He compares a portion here to have like a, an allotment of land or an allotment that, that land that's given to us. God is our allotment. This is what I've been given. This is God's been giving me these grace and this mercy. This is what he's given me because he's my portion. I have hope in him. Are you content with him tonight? Are you content with God being your portion? If so, you can have hope. If so, you should have a reason to hope. If you're placing your hope in something other than God, something else is your portion, you'll never be content because it's just stuff. That stuff maybe feel good in the moment. That stuff that impulse buy that you got, it feels good for a little bit. And then eh, that's over with. That kind of fades. The excitement, just that, that, that endorphin rush, it, it's, it's just your emotions are over it. But when God is your portion, when God says, you, let me be all to you. Let me be everything to you. Let me carry you through the darkness. God, you are my portion. And because you're my portion, I have a reason to hope. God needs to be our portion. In verses 25 and 26, this is the promise that the Lord is good to those who wait for him. We saw this earlier, but verse 25 says, the Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for salvation from the Lord. Sometimes our hope doesn't have to be a loud hope. Like I said, sometimes hope is cancel everything else out. God, quiet the voices, hopefully you may not voices in your head, but can't quiet my own voice in my own head. The doubt that I fear in my own head that's telling me you're not going to get through this. The, 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 the voice that says, this is going to be too much for me to bear. God, I'm going to quietly wait for you. I'm going to still pray. I'm going to still worship while I'm waiting, amen? But I'm going to just sit here for a minute and say, God, I have put my hope in you. Let everything else in the world fade away. But God, let my salvation come from you. We need, as the previous verse says, we need to wait on the Lord. Are you waiting for God to do something in your life? Sometimes we're in waiting periods. Sometimes those periods last shorter rather than others. And it's not easy being in a, in a waiting period. I, I understand that. But in that waiting period, in that time, don't lose hope. Don't lose the promise that God put in your life. Amen? Amen. Do not try to push something onto him as well. Sometimes when we try to push, say, God, I've been waiting for you. You're not really seeing things open, so I'm just going to go do this thing. Well, it doesn't always work out so well. Pray, worship while you wait. He is good to those that wait for him. All throughout the Bible, we're admonished to wait on the Lord and promises his, war his rewards will be for us. The list of remembrances that Jeremiah went through in all of these scriptures and lamentations, remember, this is in a, in a dark time. All of these are not a, a comprehensive list of all the things God had done for him. But in the midst of his storm, in the midst of whatever was going on in Jeremiah's life, the city literally burning around him, he recalled to mind these good things. It caused Jeremiah to rise up out of that darkness of self-absorption and go into the light. Don't let the light be snuffed out because of what we remembered of God. 
thinking too much about ourselves, as I mentioned, our, our situation, our pain, it leads us down to a dark path. But we can use the same discipline that Jeremiah said, that when my mind turns to these things and I remember all that God has done for me, then I have hope. I know I have a reason for hope. When we take our eyes off the world and put them on God, that is when we have a reason because God sits on the throne. God knows the beginning from the end. He knows the end of our story. We don't even know it ourselves yet. We would like to know. Some of us may like to know. But we would like to know, God, let me put my trust in you. Because if I knew it, I'm going to try to do things my way. But, God, I'm just going to trust in you. I'm going to hope in you tonight. Amen. Can we all stand tonight? In 1 Peter 1 and 3, 1 Peter 1 and 3, it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a hope. When Jesus died on the cross, that gave us hope. Because we were condemned from the beginning. We had no choice in the original sin. That was passed down from Adam to each and every one of us. But we have hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not just because he died. Not just because he went to hell. He had all death, hell, the grave in his hands. No. But because he rose again, we have hope. Because he lives, we have hope. To quote Pastor Sister Andrea... There's an old song. Luckily, I gave her the song ahead of time, so I'm okay. <laughs> but it's called, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. Because He Lives, all fear is gone. Because I know He holds the future, and life is worth the living, just because He lives. So tonight, I asked the praise team to sing this song, and I think it'd be appropriate for every head bowed, every eyes closed in this place, that as we, if you're going through the midst of something here tonight, I pray that you would remember the things that God had done for you. Think about the things that God has done in your life, and remember that because he lives, I have hope for tomorrow. And I pray that God enriches our souls here tonight. I pray that you would find that hope and that would spark some hope. Let tonight be a, a turning point in your life. And if you feel that you have hope, well then thank God for what he's done for you. Thank God for the things that he's brought you out of and that we all have a promised hope for tomorrow. Praise team, can we sing? Let's all lift our voices and sing the song. Let's lift our